You're listening to episode 58 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello and welcome back to the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Porter, and I hope that this episode finds you well. And I just, there's something about March. I can't believe, first of all, that we're into the second week of March already. But one of my favorite times of year is when, and I know not all of you are in winter climate right now that are listening, but for those of you who are, it's right now for me it's one of my favorite times because the snow has mostly all burned off of the roof in the arena so the sun is coming through the skylights and it's one of my favorite times of year to ride in the indoor because it the air is still cool and it's the sun's coming in and it warms the arena and the horses have that little bit of extra freshness where they feel really good because the footing is good in the arena but it's icy or hard outside and they come in and they show their their heart and their try and their athleticism and I love watching them uh, in their bodies just feeling so good and it's just a lot of fun to be able to like connect with them during this time and uh, and not be freezing <laughs> so it's uh, it was just a lovely day I hope that you found some sunshine today and uh, that you had a great day as well something else that is making me feel really good and also something that I'm having a hard time believing that the time is here already is that Beth Killo and I are actually in our fifth or sixth our last week out of our six week aware horsewoman program with a fantastic group of women and it's been an honor to work with these women and I'm just so so shocked that it went by so fast um, but it's been a blessing to uh, to experience this program both with Beth and the women who enrolled it's been really exciting and so we're just finishing up the winter session this week and then uh, we'll be opening up registration for the spring session soon so if it is something that you have heard about in the podcast before or if you're just hearing about it now and you're curious about it reach out to me but I'd love to share before we get into today's episode some feedback that we received from one of our students in the Aware Horsewoman program so this was one of the kindest things that I've read and uh, honestly 
I just had chills and wanted to cry after I, I read it. So I can't thank this student enough for her, uh, for her feedback. So she wrote, okay, honest critic here. I have been blown away by the sheer clarity of this course. It's lean and it's mean, and I have loved and been challenged by every second. The women that are in this herd are perceptive, open, caring, and honest. I am honored to be a part of this connection. Beth, I am beyond grateful that you have not only shared your vast and almost clairvoyant understanding of our course, you have condensed it and simplified it into precious pearls that we can all absorb and use for the rest of our lives. I really hope you get to see Nikki in action in person as I have with my boy. She doesn't wear her pearl necklace as it's part of her and her dance with not only the horse, but with everyone within her scope is beautiful and inspiring to behold. To me, the course itself is beautifully laid out. I like the way things are paced and not dumped upon us all at once. The pace is fast, but it's good to be able to go back to everything, including the meetings, as many times as we want. I really hope we can continue these in some sort of structured way after the course is complete. I would really hate to lose touch with this herd. Thank you, both of you, for sharing this wisdom. You need to teach this to everyone that owns a horse. The horses would be so much better off. I cannot say enough thank yous for this feedback because it was Beth and I, when we came together, we knew that coming together would be, it, it had something special and we really did believe in what we were creating and it's been phenomenal to be able to bring it to life and to be able to uh, to work with these women. So we're really excited to be opening up registration for the spring session. So if you're curious about it at all, touch base with me at Nikki at NikkiPorter.ca or touch base with me on Instagram, Nikki Porter Coaching. Oh, and one more thing. If you're curious about why she was speaking about a pearl necklace, this particular student gave the best analogy. It was honestly moving when she said it in one of our live calls, but she said it was like when you go to these clinics and you learn from different horsemen and horsewomen and you get these pearls of wisdom and you put them in a bag and you have this bag then of these pearls of wisdom but for the first time ever she felt like we were offering her something where she was actually having those pearls taken out and being linked together and put into a beautiful pearl necklace that she can wear daily every time she goes to the barn and it just it was moving to hear her express it that way and uh, and so it's actually become a little bit of a thing within the program where we talk about the pearl necklace and we have one student in particular who now wears her pearl necklace to the barn so it's just beautiful and I absolutely love it okay that is all let's get into today's interview so for the interview today, I've been looking forward to a conversation with this lady for quite some time. She and I connected through social media and actually I think I first I think I first heard of her when I was beginning the Take the Reins podcast and I was kind of looking around and seeing what other podcasts there were and she is just a fantastic person. She's a lot of fun 
and she has a great story. So today I'm going to be speaking with Caitlin Hurst. You might recognize her as the Mindful Cowgirl on TikTok and Instagram, and she has a podcast called Finding the Feel. Now, she's been a little absent on the podcast for a while, but she promises that she is going to be getting it back up and running, but uh, really I, and I think I mentioned it a couple times in the in the uh, interview, but I love her TikToks. I love what she's putting out into the world, and uh, she's just fantastic. And this really is a conversation. It's one that I feel like she and I would have had this conversation over coffee uh, easily one of the first times that we met. So I feel like uh, we're just kind of letting you in on a conversation that we have both been looking forward to having. If you do find Caitlin online, you'll notice that she has 131.9 thousand TikTok followers. And actually at the time of the interview, she had 125,000 TikTok followers. So uh, it is growing, that number's growing steadily and there's a reason for it. She's showing up so authentically there and I love, love it. Uh, And I love her for it. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Hello and welcome back to the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Porter, and I am thrilled to have the guest that I have today. We are speaking to Caitlin Hurst, and you can find Caitlin on social media. This is how I found her under the name The Mindful Cowgirl, both on TikTok and on Instagram, or through her podcast on Facebook. You can find it under Finding the Feel. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Nikki. I'm so excited to be here. Right before this, we were talking about how we feel like we know each other, even though we've never been, never met in person. So I'm so excited to finally meet you virtually. Right. And I feel like I was trying to think of how I actually found you. I feel like it was through your podcast originally. And then I don't even know from there, finding you on TikTok and your TikToks are brilliant. So then I just feel like I know you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. They're they're, they've been, they've been fun. They've been really, really good for me. Um, I, you know, I think I, I came across you at so on social media at one point, I can't remember exactly, exactly where, but you know, somewhere in my horse journey, the universe decided that we needed to connect and, and here we are. Yeah, absolutely. And I am so glad that we are because I know that we're like-minded on a lot of different topics And so I'm excited to be able to have this conversation with you. Let's dive in now because I'd love for you to tell everyone who you are, where you're from, where you're speaking to us from, and just a little bit of your backstory and how you came up with calling yourself the mindful cowgirl, which I absolutely love. Thanks. I was really excited when that handle was available when I had the the idea. Yeah. So, um, I live in Weatherford, Texas, um, but I am a California native. So like many others, you know, scooted on over to Texas so I could have more horses in my life. That was a a couple of years ago now. I am a marketer by trade. So I'm also the director of marketing for Blue Bonnet Feeds and and Stride Animal Health. Um, It's a great team um, and I've just come to love their products so much. So I'm excited to help them on their journey and and bring more great nutrition to great other horse people. And then, you know, in my, in my spare time, I've become really passionate about sharing my story and particularly sharing my story with women as a means to help them find confidence and really 
trust themselves. And I think a lot of the time our instincts, our, our gut knows what the answer is. We know what we want to do or if we're finding that we're struggling with something, we know what the answer is. And for a variety of reasons, we don't trust our instincts. And I have found it to be extremely powerful to do so. And I've become really passionate about helping other women, you know, get on that journey. Awesome. I, or I can't speak to that more in the sense of like, I, I just actually, I, was, I just came from the burn and I had a situation. I was like, I wonder if this is going to come up with Caitlin. And it came up in the sense that you literally just explained everything I was feeling this morning. So I swung a leg over a little Philly this morning and she's normally like super chill. And there was like, my husband was loping around me and I could just feel something boiling underneath me. And I was going like, what's going on? So I, I immediately hopped off and switched her saddle thinking, okay, maybe it's a saddle issue, switched her saddle, then um, walked off and she like, she just let out this huge buck with me just standing next to her. So then I went, okay, next thing, I'm going to take the saddle right off. Maybe it's in the saddle pad. Maybe there's something bugging her because she was like, she's never, she's never like this. So took the saddle, saddle pad off and put her out on the circle. And she just let all of this energy go. Like it, she had so much energy pooling in her feet. She had so much energy, just like that she needed to get rid of. And it's funny. So I did groundwork with her and there was a point in the groundwork where her hips kind of slipped underneath her and she sunk down to the ground and got back up and shook her head and looked at me as if to say like, Oh, okay. Hi again. And she reconnected mentally. And then she, it was like a switch went off. She was beautiful. And then I tacked her back up, got back on. She was a completely different horse. And at that time I said to my husband, it's really interesting because she needed that moment where she needed something to happen to reconnect her to me. And she almost lost her own confidence when she like acted up and slipped and looked to me and said, oh, can you help me through this? And I said to him, had I not gotten off, that situation, the thing that would have happened would have been probably me hitting the dirt instead mm -hmm. of me trusting I needed to not be on her back in that moment when she was feeling all that energy pooling. And I said, let's get her, strip her down, get the energy out, get the tack back on when she's, but I, in the past, I would have thought it would have, I would have had to stay on in order to get through it. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel that so much. I feel like that almost happens to me on on the daily mm -hmm. or my friends and, and occasionally, you know, trainers I'm working with laugh at laugh at me a little bit um, in a in a nice, loving sort of way. <laughs> but my horse is that way too. He'll tell me something. I'll get off and we'll explore it and I'll let him do his thing. And I, I figure it's zero risk because then at, at least even if he's being a little bit tough that day or whatever. And I can't figure out why at least I didn't impose myself on him and damage our relationship. Because if you take a step back, like you did, you allowed them to come back to you and you were part of the solution mm -hmm. versus coming in and being part of the problem. And, and I think sometimes a lot of that is just slowing down and feeling comfortable slowing down and not letting like other non-existent timelines pressure us into yeah. rushing through things. Yeah. That and that moment of that feeling where you go, this isn't safe for me right now. Yep. Right. Trust yep. the feeling, but find a solution to making you both feel safe. And then, you know, dealing with the issues that are in at hand um, without the fear that you are now 
ruining them without the fear, fear that you are teaching them to do this behavior and you will get off. Or I think there's a lot of, of fear around if I get off when this is happening, I'm teaching my horse that that's okay. And I think that it's important to, to make sure that we understand that uh, we don't have to sacrifice our safety and we don't have to ignore our instincts in those moments in order to, you know, not teach our horse something that we don't want or, or whatever else. And I love your conversation about the timeline. Let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I know that you and I've spoken about the fact that you, you feel like there, this is sitting on your heart a little bit, people really feeling like there's a specific timeline for them. Yeah. I mean, I think especially in the performance horse world, right. We, all of the competitions are based off of age mm-hmm. and we get so used to horses hitting a certain level on a certain timeline. And, you know, there's justification for that timeline and the way that people have to run their businesses. But for the large majority of us, they're irrelevant. They, they really are. And I think it's, it's created this anxiety for a lot of people about what needs to happen with their horse. And in fact, I was riding, I ride at a local arena um, quite often, and usually we're by ourselves. And I, I was riding the other day and this girl pulled in with her trailer and pulled out this horse and she was wearing an AQHA vest. And I was so excited. I was like, okay, I'm going to go try to befriend somebody. We're going to have somebody to ride with. And a horse was just adorable, the cutest little quiet gelding. And I started talking to her and just wanted to get to know her a little bit, wanted to learn about her horse and asked. And eventually I asked how old he was. And I watched her like physically kind of sink into herself and she said, oh, he's five. And kind of like her voice got kind of sad and hesitant. And it immediately broke my heart because I know exactly what she's going through. You know, Joe will be seven this year and I'm sure we'll talk about him a bit, but we just started showing last year and we haven't been to NRHA shows yet. We haven't been to AQHA shows yet. And, you know, I've, she also immediately started kind of going into reasons why he was maybe a little bit green, like, oh, I've done most of the work myself. And it's like, that's great. It's amazing that you are doing the work that yourself. And it's amazing that you love this horse and that you have this connection and he's going to be with you forever. And we talked about that for a bit as well. And I think, you know, we by ourselves a lot of time value those kinds of relationships, but then we're afraid of, of judgment from the outside world. And I know when I take Joe out, I purposely try to meet that question with confidence, but it's work. Like I always kind of have to mentally prepare myself and say it and then stop myself from being like, oh, but I restarted him two years ago and, uh, and like trying to make excuses because I don't need to make excuses for my horse who is perfectly fine and who I love so much and truly nobody else has to deal with. So who cares? <laughs> who cares anyways, you know? Yeah, exactly. I love that story. I think that connecting with someone over that alone, just saying like, you know what? I, I see that you're shrinking back here. I see that this is a place where other people have made you feel uncomfortable and being able to say and show up and be like, man, I like pressure's off. No pressure in this arena right now between exactly. the two of us. And I can just imagine like you left feeling the way you did, but I can just imagine how she left and feeling like she didn't have to walk in there and feel so insecure. That's amazing. Good job. That's Thanks. Really I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'd always try to, you know, meet people. I try to meet people where they're at. Cause I, yeah. I also think too, you can come out 
a little strong so not to come out and like oh time doesn't exist and don't let people make you like that's not really a good way to be help people you know yeah. on on their journey um but i do try to empathize with them and and connect with them and we're probably uh, she and I are probably going to hit up a few shows together here in, in the coming months. And so if I can help be a little bit of a support system and probably her for me as well, then yeah. uh, that'll be fantastic. Perfect. Okay. So you spoke about Joe. Let's talk a little bit more about Joe. Who's Joe? When'd you get him? You said you restarted him. So I know that I like, I see him all the time in your TikToks, but I love how you represent your relationship with him through social media. So I'd love to hear the story a little bit deeper too. Yeah. Ah, Joseph, he is, he is my whole heart. He does not want to be TikTok famous, um, (laughs) but I've, I have insisted. Yeah. So Joe, uh, my family and I bred him. I actually showed his mom, um, had quite a bit of a success on her and I actually showed his grandma, uh, when I was a kid. So he is a family venture. Um, he is stuck with me forever for that reason, among many others. Um, and I truly feel at this point in my life, one, so much gratitude for him, but two, the, the universe sent him to me. Mm-hmm. And before, if I think back about our journey, so we bred him before he even came out of the womb. I can remember thinking like, oh, we're going to do all these great things and we're going to go to the Derby and we're going to win all these trophies. And like, and I was already like putting all of my expectations and dreams and hopes and like everything onto him before he was even born. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mistake, mistake number one. <laughs> and, you know, I just, I have to look back and, and laugh at myself a little bit. And while like, Logically, I had my priorities straight. Um, I knew from the beginning that I didn't want to push him too fast. Um, You know, he grew really fast. He was big and then he kind of stopped growing and we're like, okay, so no futurities. Let's just try to build up for that four-year-old year. And logically, I kind of made all the sense. I want a happy horse first, sound horse first, you know, whatever time that takes. But my heart and my ambitions were not aligned with my logical Mm -hmm. list of priorities. And that's where like, the mistake ended up happening was happening was that disconnect because I lost sight of those priorities um, and let my emotions take over. So I have yet to figure out like how to tell the short version of this story. That's okay. Um, tell the long version. I don't mind. But the, <laughs> I'll tell the like medium version because the long version is very rambly. Um, but through this misalignment, I eventually put him in full-time training with a new trainer um, in his three-year-old year. And through a series of events and over a little bit of time, he turned into this violent, angry, dangerous horse. I mean, I had never seen anything like this. And every time I went and saw him, I drove two hours each way. So eight hours every weekend to go see him. And every time I went and saw him, he got worse and worse and worse. And this is the part of the story that I'm honestly still working on because I still um, recently I've had to come terms with the fact that I hold a lot of shame mm. for this part of the story. I'm sorry. I'm getting emotional. I feel like I've talked about this so much that I shouldn't get emotional anymore. No. Um, because he's my responsibility a hundred percent, right? Like, I don't, I don't care if your horse is in full-time training, that horse is your responsibility. Mm. And I take that very seriously. And I saw it happening mm. and I was not his advocate. And, I let it happen and I let, I was a contributor to his extreme unhappiness, but it's important to me that I 
talk about that part of the story and talk about how long it really took me to get to the point where we made a change because I have to take accountability for myself, but also share with others of like, hey, we make these mistakes. The horse world is complicated. It is hard. And you will come across situations that you will never have come across and you may not make the right decision the first time. And so it's really important to me that I suck it up mm-hmm. <laughs> and share this part of the story. Um, and I try to make this up to him every every day, you know, mm-hmm. and I think I think I'm I'm getting there. But I did eventually pull him out of training, but there were two things that had to happen before I did that. What It had to get really bad for me to get there. I mean, he, rearing, bucking, he ran across the arena one time and slammed me into the wall, like stuff I had never even seen before. And I knew this horse had not been abused. Like none of the trainers he'd been with, they're all good trainers. They all have extremely high respect for the animal. They would never do that. And I'm there all the time. So this is just a progression of this horse not having the environment that he needed to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to face myself. And I think the first step was realizing that I was angry. I was working a job that I hated. I was living in a place that I didn't want to be. And I was driving eight hours every weekend to see the horse that all of this stuff was supposed to be funding. So like, what's even the point? You know, I, I, I see the horse four hours a week and I kill myself all the other times and I'm, I'm miserable the rest of the time. And I didn't know what to do with that at first. I started out practicing with meditation and trying to heal myself from the outside a little bit, but I eventually got to the place that I had to rebuild my entire life. And, um, you know, my horse was angry because I was angry. He was only reflecting back to me the energy that I was carrying around. And that's, that's a scary thing to come to terms with that. Like, uh, it's not just my actions. I actually have to change myself, (laughs) which is really hard. And to this day, you know, I'll walk out to the barn some days and I'll be carrying stress from work or I'll have had a little spat with somebody. And I swear he looks up and gives me the side. eye, like, nah, do not bring that over here. Go handle yourself and come back and try again later. And he he really keeps me in check, and it's one of the things that I appreciate about appreciate about him most. Wow, that is that's. I know there's more to the story, but I there's something in that story that we need to dive a little deeper into, and that's the pressure from whether it be like, you know, we go back to like trusting your own gut, trusting your instinct, understanding like, what's this saying to me, but it's also, you know, we send these horses off for training. It doesn't matter what it is, whether we're sending horses for training, we're choosing a career path for ourselves. You know, we're choosing a school for our children, whatever it might be. And then we almost feel like, well, I made that decision and I have to stay with it. And you're right. Oftentimes it has to get to an extreme before we're brave enough to say, oh my gosh, this isn't working. And it is a brave thing to do to take a horse from a situation where you, you know, it's not an abuse situation, but it doesn't have to be an abuse situation for it to be the wrong situation. And I think that that if we, oh my, everything connects to relationships with people and all comes back full circle, but the amount of women that I've spoken to who they'll be in a relationship with someone and they'll say, well, you know, it's not like he, he does this. And it's not like he hits me. It's not like he does that. And it's like, they're, they're missing the, the main part of the picture is that there's still unhappiness there. 
there's still resentment there. And you don't have to be in an extreme of a situation to understand it's unhealthy and that something needs to change. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I was an economics major in college. And so how I think about it today is the idea of sunk costs. And if anybody's familiar with the idea of sunk costs, it means the money you've spent before basically is irrelevant. You've already spent that money. It's gone. You can't get it back. So if the like, if you pay into a stock and it continues to plummet and you know, it's going to keep plummeting, you're not, that money's already gone. Like people don't want to pull out because they feel like, well, I've spent all this money on it already. That's gone. It's over. It happened. Pull out, save yourself sooner rather than later. And I, I think about that all the time lately in, in life of like, now you don't want to be flighty, but at the same time, this is not working and I can sit here and try to force it, or I can try to rebuild it and change it now. And whatever happened before has happened. You can't get time back. Absolutely. Okay. So you decide, you understand that it's a personal thing that's happening and it's reflecting back with your horse. You decide to pull Joe from training. Then what? Well, even before that, um, and this is the part of the story that that haunts me because this is a very critical moment where I now have seen it happen to other people and I have zero tolerance for people. I kind of say that like I shouldn't be allowed in public because <laughs> I just will like step in and be that person where it was early on, I noticed a change in my horse and it was before it got really bad. And I actually set up a private meeting with this trainer and very, I tried, I thought about it a lot. I tried to approach it from a very non-confrontational way. I was not trying to accuse them of anything. Um, but I just said, Hey, I've noticed that my horse is changing and he's angry and he's starting to act out any insights as to what's going on here. And I'm sure I didn't phrase it as eloquently as I just did now, but what ended up happening is truly I got gaslit and instead of me responding to that in a, okay, this is not working on, on any front. We need to stop this now. I sunk into myself and I got quiet and I got passive and I let it confuse me. And I put, you know, my trust in the wrong places and I became a passive, you know, participator in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the like critical moment that I think can be so empowering for other people is if those turning points happen and if we can start to rise to the occasion, if we can build up our confidence and our faith in ourselves, then that would have been my whole journey. Now I wouldn't be where I am now, but my whole last four years would be entirely different than what they were today. So, you know, maybe my journey would have been a year instead of four. And, and I see that happen all the time. And in fact, I was, it's kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier, but I went out to a ranch around here to watch some of my friends ride. And, um, this gal is kind of funny speaking of not listening to the horse. This is where I made a mistake, still make plenty of mistakes. She asked me if I wanted to ride her horse. She was nervous to ride him. Um, he'd been off for a few days. And so I lunged him and I lunged him. And I think I even said something like, Oh, this horse is, he's, all bound up like and I knew in my gut shouldn't shouldn't ride this horse this horse needs to go in the round pen for a while and and you know get his mind together and then but there was like six people there and they're like no ride him we want to see him lope around ride him Caitlin ride him and I was like okay I'll ride him I'll ride him and 
then I'm riding him and I knew he was just like not focused, kept like diving back to the gate. And normally with my horse, I would have just like, you know, trotted around and let him rest somewhere else and probably gotten off and, and called it a day. And I let, you know, all the pressure of the people and the, and the like cheering me on, so to speak, I loved him. He, and he ended up bucking and I did not come off, but I almost came off. Mm-hmm. And, but what happened after that is like, you know, I, I trotted him around, didn't let him finish with that, got off of him. And then I was talking to my friend, like, Hey, you know, I think we should have, that was my mistake. He told me every step of the way, this horse, and I did not listen to him. But then what happened is the group started telling my friend in short that she just needs to get rid of this horse. They're not a good match. He's dangerous, this, that, and the other, like you have to sell him, get a horse that's nice and quiet like you. And just like, well, and I'm just like standing there and this is really cutting to my core. It's really getting me right in my heart. And eventually I was just like, nope, enough, enough. You know, it's her horse. She will make the decision. This horse is not dangerous. This horse told me every step of the way that I should not be doing what I am doing. And I didn't listen to him. That is my fault. That is not his fault. And um, she ended up finding a great trainer to help her. And she's working on on her confidence and and the horse has come a long way, but it, you know, I made that mistake again. And so that I just, you know, to my point of like, I shouldn't be allowed out in public. I'll just (laughs) here. I show up at this ranch and just kind of, I I yelled at the trainer and I probably shouldn't have raised my voice, but um, I find that happening quite often. So I, that's the big one for me is like building up the confidence. So those moments you can take control of your life and, and start to steer the ship, you know? Yeah. So there's two things there. One, I can totally relate to how you were feeling in that moment. Um, I was actually teaching a clinic during mine. <laughs> so I was I was teaching and there was this horse there and she was so lovely. Um, I handled her on the ground for two days and she just, she was so sensitive and so feely and oh my gosh, so tuned in, but a lot of disconnect and tack. And, um, on day two, and actually it was the, what was said was said by somebody I know quite well and, and have worked with and whatever else. And I didn't mean to like come back at her in any sort of like rude way, but you know, those times while you were triggered in the sense of like, this is a moment for me, because if somebody had told me that, then I wouldn't be where I am with Joe. Now, um, you could have given up on Joe. And she could have given up on this horse. And so this, this one particular girl said, I know that horse, that horse is crazy. And I turned around and I was like, and I've, I made a TikTok after this one. And I said, <laughs> you need to stop calling the women and horses in your life crazy when they finally tell you they're not putting up with what you're giving them anymore. So there's these horses in our lives that have been telling us for a long time that, you know, they need us in a different way to show up in a different way, to work with them in a different way. And when we label them as crazy, it excuses so much of our behavior. Um, and it, it just, it masks the whole problem. And, you know, when I think of that and I think of people, oh, that horse is just crazy. And I think of the, of women who have put up with so much and then all of a sudden, they set a a hard boundary with someone and, you know, they leave a relationship or they say, this is enough, enough is enough. And then you hear those people are like, oh, well, you know, she's just crazy anyway. Um, It drives, that drives me crazy myself. So I can, I feel like when you were telling me that story, I was like, oh girl, (laughs) I've been there (laughs) where you just, you know, that, that there's, 
it's like that group mentality too, of jumping on that conversation of, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's not healthy. That's that horse is crazy. That horse is, is on, um, is unsafe or you shouldn't have that horse. And really, um, if we all took a step back there, there's, we have so much responsibility in all of these situations. And like you said, he told you all along the way. And like that's that mayor said this or did to me this morning, she told me, and she likely told me before I put my leg over her that she needed to be lunged out. And I, I missed it. Um, luckily I got it before I got hurt really. Yeah, absolutely. And I, if I, I could go down a whole path of like (laughs) underlying misogyny and how women are supposed to behave and how people are used to them speaking and the words we use to describe women, I could just, I won't go down that tangent, but I could rant about that all day long. Me too. Okay. (laughs) The other, the other thing, cause we won't go there cause we, we will spend too much time there, but, um, the other was the confidence piece. So I actually came across a quote this week and I'm not going to say it verbatim, 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 because I don't know it, but it was something along the lines of when we increase our self-awareness, our confidence then increases. So for you, like, as you're telling that story, and then I know, you know, you're talking about your journey of self-awareness that you had to really um, discover that you were angry and it was also showing in your horse and that whole process, but you understanding that you actually internalized just like your horse was internalizing when that trainer started to gaslight you. And then for us, you know, it's, it's like, sometimes what we see is like, okay, we had this situation and we responded this way. If we, if we were just more confident, so when we gain confidence, but there's so many questions around, how do you gain more confidence? Like everyone says, just be confident. But I think what is missing in the just be confident conversation is that self-awareness piece. And that when you tune in to yourself and you become more aware of, you know, your triggers, what you're feeling inside, all of those things, then your confidence grows. And I feel like that's what happened with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a practice constantly. Like oh. there are, that self-awareness is so critical. And I feel like I'm constantly now experiencing new things and new emotions. And especially as I push myself and push myself into a new job and um, with a lot of expectations and pushing, you know, Joe into myself, uh, expanding our horizons and all of these things. And so all the time I'm experiencing new situations and emotions that I don't know what to do with. And instead of forcing myself to flail and make a decision, and I think this is something that is beneficial for a lot of people to practice is you just take a step back and just observe your emotion. Just try to become a, you know, a third party, watch yourself, experience it, let it come down. Everything will come down. Mm-hmm. And then when you are backed into your normal balanced frame of mind, you can think through it. Well, why did that happen? Why did I feel that way? Why really did I feel that way? Mm-hmm. And, and address it or say, you know, next time this happens, while I try to figure out why I'm feeling this way, the next time this happens, here's how I'm going to respond to it, right? And I think that becomes incredibly important. But, you know, one thing that I've become really passionate about, and I talk to a lot of horsewomen about now is that's also confidence is a practice. It's not something you just inherently have. And to build it up, you have to get outside of your comfort zone. Now that's not jumping 
20 steps outside of your comfort zone causing trauma. And then now you have all of these immediate reactions that you can't control. I call it like, and I do it with the horse too, right? Bumping out that line a little bit. And that's just going and doing new things and learning to fail and learning to be okay with failing and failing differently. And so, you know, I, I talk about ways to do that. There's a lot of little ways in your life that you can do that. And there are ways you can do that with your horse. Like I started taking Joe sorting last year and I was so excited. I wanted to see if he was cowie, this, that, and the other. Oh man, he ran from the cow. He just straight, <laughs> straight ran him from all these sorters. He runs and uh, they were so nice and they, they encouraged me and we just kept, kept going back at it. And I was laughing and, and we kept going back. And now it's one of our favorite things to do. And I have zero anxiety about doing it. So then it's like, what's the next thing we're going to do? And just kind of bumping out that line where maybe eventually I'll go to an NRHA show and I won't be worried about crashing and burning because, Hey, I've done that into in front of people a million times before this. And guess what? I didn't die. And, and that's really it. And it's, it's psychological, but it's also physical where you have to experience those things enough where your body does not go into fight, flight, or freeze mode, right. Or fawn rather. Um, and, and a lot of that just takes training. And I think we underestimate how much of it is like this physical reaction. Right. And I think people feel like, okay, well, once I feel confident, I will always, it'll, it'll just, I won't feel uncomfortable anymore. I just need to be more confident. And then I won't feel that anxiety, that fear, that stress that goes along with entering into different situations. And I think it's important for people to understand that those don't go away. That's when you know that you're actually helping yourself grow. So you need to start like looking for those situations like yourself, where you went sorting, like look for the situations where you go, Oh, this is like showing up a little bit, um, a little bit in my body. And now I know that I'm actually going in the, in the right direction to say, I need to get out of my comfort zone and to start to seek those times and get more comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. And then you, you start to realize, Oh, now I can do that. Oh, that, that feels really good. Now I can move on to this. So, but I think it's really important for people to like to understand that, you know, you're, you're on, t- I want, actually, you can explain this because maybe this isn't the case for you, but like you're on TikTok, you do TikTok videos all of the time. Do you still get that feeling before you record where you're like, Oh God. Like what do you have that? It's less now, but it's so, it was so scary in the beginning. And now I'm saying I'm getting to the point where I have almost no shame, but (laughs) I've been doing it for over a year now. And man, that first year was rough. I was so worried. I was so worried about it and so stressed and spent way too much time worrying about what I looked like Mm -hmm. or like, all of those things. There'd be videos I wouldn't post because it wasn't at the right angle or like my camera is down too far and maybe I'd look a little bit bigger than I would like to. Like all these stupid things that don't matter. Or like or if I post a video of my horse, I actually posted one of him in the round pen and sure enough, someone comes in and he's like, oh, he's on the wrong lead or, or whatever. I, I posted a funny one about learning how to post on the diagonal. I love and that. Yeah. Oh, the amount of like rise and fall with the leg on the wall in my comments. Like if I hear that one more time... <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I, it's been a real exercise in expanding my confidence, which I think so much of the time for especially women, it is tied to fear of judgment. And uh-huh. we, ha- we have to work past that. And that's why when I started doing it, I first joined it as a marketer to see what the deal was, learn about the platform. 
And then when I was going to start testing, when I observed that I was scared to post because of fear of judgment, I was like, okay, I have to do this now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You dove in head first then. (laughs) Sort of, sort of eventually, eventually I did, but I think it shows up in a lot of ways too. Like I, I talked about, you know, going sorting and seeking out those opportunities, but I think those opportunities happen more in your daily life than, than you even acknowledge. And so um, I went through this practice for a while where if I had any hesitation about doing something for fear of judgment, then I had to do it. And it's these little things like if you ever walked into a store, decided you don't want to buy anything, and then you're afraid to leave because you think they're going to think you're shoplifting. Right. So you buy a pack of gum or something, something. right? Yeah. So walk out of that store, right? And just like starting to do those things or somebody says your name wrong and correcting them instead of like letting it go by, right? All of those little ways I think are, are good opportunities to kind of chip away at that confidence. And, it, and it's, it's a practice, like it's hard for me still every day. One that is, uh, I, think, I think is relevant now is like picking up the phone and actually speaking to somebody versus oh just texting. I know. Right. Yeah. No, (laughs) you're like not going there. Nope. That's not it. I'm not pushing that boundary, but it's, it's, I feel like that is one that when I speak to so many people, I'm a phone person. Like I call people all the time and I have a lot of people who get freaked out when I call them because they're like, nobody, nobody calls anybody anymore, but I want to be efficient. So, but there are times that I feel um, that feeling of, oh, I should, I'll just text them. I don't need to. And that's when I know that I'm actually like, I'm, I'm steering away from connection. Mm. And when we steer away from connection, then we start to isolate ourselves. Um, so I really feel like pushing ourselves to actually make phone calls is an important one. Yep. That would be a really good one to add to my (laughs) <laughs> to my list. I've yet to really confront it. I had to make a few this week and I, I procrastinated. I was like, I don't really want to call or I make my husband call and order the pizza. Like it's so silly, <laughs> but yeah. It's I, that's a big one now. I really do feel like that's one that shows up for, and it should, I'm, I love to talk on the phone and it still shows up for me. And I think it just comes from us getting so comfortable, um, being behind social media and not actually like voicing what's going on and which is funny because you have a podcast (laughs) yep it's still it's still scary yeah it's still scary I and I I've had to put in place certain things to help help me like I used to sit there and edit the episodes it would take me like eight to ten hours Mm-hmm. to edit an episode. I take out every little weird quirk that I had and I'd cringe the whole time because I don't like my voice. This, that. And finally last year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to slice this thing in half, put my intro and outro on and post it and not listen to it. Oh gosh, that's brave. And mm-hmm. it's scary, but I got a, a great reception from it and something that, you know, my followers and listeners and my mentors kept telling me is like, you have to put more of yourself into these. You are still hiding. And I think that's, I came to that kind of realization with my TikToks the other day too. I was thinking about like, how do I make these better, reach more people, more valuable. And, um, you know, I had to confront with myself that I have to put myself in it more. I can't hide behind voiceovers and stuff the whole time. Yeah. And the music and yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that would be a great transition for your TikTok. And I think that the people watching would love it. Because we, 
you know, I say we, I'm included in this because I feel like we already know you in the sense that I think we almost think you're like, you're so funny. Like I, like I watch your TikToks and I love your sense of humor in it. And I love that you don't care if you swear and, or if the song is swearing and it's just, it's so light. Um, but you touch on heavier topics through your light content. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Well, you know what the amazing thing about TikTok has been, which is been, you know, encouragement to commit to it harder is I really went into it. Like I want to create a positive horse community where people feel safe. And so I try to come at it from that angle. I don't roast people and I try not occasionally I'll make a video and I'll watch it back and be like, ah, what, you know, what's the positive flip of this? How can I re-record this from a positive angle? And occasionally I'll do like a, maybe a little sarcasm or something because I'm pretty sarcastic, but I'm, I'm constantly thinking about that. And when I respond to people in my comments, because I try to be really active in my comments, you know, come at it from an empathetic positive angle, or if I'm having people that are coming in just to be trolls or, or be negative to, you know, not meet them there, I'm not going to meet your energy in this negative place. And the magical thing is very little negative energy has come my way. And I, I even posted a video where, you know, Joe had a little bit of a meltdown because I pushed him way past his comfort zone. Was that in your, in your turnaround? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I saw that one. It was good. Yeah, I ended up on his neck. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. And, situation, um, but I love that you posted it. Yep. And it was one of those where I was like, okay, so I, I wanted to post it because one, it would be, is kind of funny. I, I laugh at myself for it, but also it was one of those, okay, this is another example of like, I pushed my horse, like we blew by his comfort zone. I talked about like bumping that line out. We just like blew by it. And he came right back. I, I backed down to his comfort zone and he came back and we had a great, a great ride. And I took that as like, Hey, you know, I heard, okay. I heard you, my bad. I heard you. Mm-hmm. And People have met my TikTok with so much kindness. And it was, to me, it's been a great example of like, if you keep that positive energy and you invite positive energy in, Mm -hmm. it's almost like the negative energy doesn't come so much. And then my community also helps have my back. I don't have to go in there and argue with people. You know, I, I trust them to keep the conversation in a good place. And they'll even have active conversations in the comments. And occasionally I'll pop in there and be like, keep it nice, you guys. Mm-hmm. But there's, they can have active discussions and debates and people have been so kind. And it's been a real testament about the energy that you invite into your life. 100%. I couldn't agree more. My biggest fear in anything that I have done in the last five years has been the fear of people coming at me with negativity, um, whether it's like due to a misinterpretation of something that I've said or just just not agreeing with me or whatever it might be because I've seen some really well-intended people get severely attacked um, by people they don't know. And so that's been a major fear of mine. And I'm like, I've been sitting back and going, wait a second, like those people haven't shown up for me. So that's when, you know, you're really like, you're putting that energy there. So I've been very lucky in the sense that, you know, I put a book out there and I haven't had anybody come at me. Actually, that's a, that's a fib. I had one editor tell me that it was not going to be anything that nobody would read it. (laughs) And, uh, and I actually, it was a great lesson for me because I was like, oh, perfect. She's not, not, she's not my audience. And I needed before I published it to know that some people are not going to 
understand it at all. It's not going to be relatable to them. But that's been a huge fear of mine is like, oh gosh, when are these people going to show up for me? And they haven't. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful that they haven't because although it's a great learning tool to be able to navigate, you know, those situations. Um, but I, I think you're hundred percent right. It's where are you putting your energy? What are, what energy are you inviting into your life? It's funny because I had have a couple people on Facebook who are like, I have to take a break from Facebook because all I see is negativity. And my response is, man, my fa- all I see on Facebook are like happy, funny horse people. And it's also what you engage in. It's like what you engage with on your social media. Are you contributing to the, to the other negative side of things, to the things you don't want? Are you contributing to the complaining? Because that's what's going to show up. Yeah, absolutely. The algorithms, your social feed will tell you a lot mm. about yourself. And TikTok's your algorithm, horse, your algorithm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The TikTok algorithm is so smart. And like you interact with one video and it serves you so many videos just like that. And at one point I ended up on narcissist TikTok. And I was like, <laughs> I have to get off of here. Like I, I cannot dwell in this. And it was like every cute horse dog. I liked it. It was like, please fix this. <laughs> get me off of here. It's so true. It's funny because you're right. You like interact with one video and then all of a sudden you're like, how did I get in like mom wine drink? Oh, right. Because I am. (laughs) That's right. That's because I liked that. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So I think we got a little waylaid. So Joe, the, I guess the last conversation we had about Joe, which feels like it was a while ago, you were having the conversation and you definitely felt like you weren't able to like proactively take care of the situation. So what did you do from there? Yeah. So, you know, time went by, we got to that extreme moment where I said, okay, enough is enough. And, and truly it was this moment of one of us is going to die. You know, he was always really self-protective. And so that we kind of went through this phase of, well, he doesn't want to hurt himself. So there's like a limit to how bad this can get, which is the most bizarre point of view when I think back on it. Right. But doing this with the trainers as well, or was it just showing up? It, so it was like yeah, all the time. Every, everyone. Was, okay. Yeah. Everyone all the time. And, um, I wrote him one day and he clearly had lost all sense of self-survival. And he was like, flailing. He was rearing so far back that like he couldn't stabilize himself. And at one point what actually happened, and this is where I was like, this is enough. He was flailing back and he covered like half an arena. So I'm just like holding on and like kind of getting ready to get off. But then, uh, he got close to the fence where I had nowhere to go. And I was like, I'm, I'm legitimately about to die. And like, how stupid I just had this moment. Like how stupid is this, Mm -hmm. is that we're both here fighting this out and one of us is going to die over something that's supposed to bring so much happiness into my life. And I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, so I navigated my way out of that. I sent him off to swim for a while because I didn't know what to do with him. So it was like, just go swim. And I just started like going around and asking people and asking previous mentors of mine and trainers, you know, I grew up, this is an interesting part of the story that isn't like informed um, a lot of my opinions today. And I have to also try to find some peace with this, to be honest, is I went, I grew up in the industry. I mean, these people literally watched me grow up 
And these trainers knew me when I was five. And I started going around and asking people for help. What do I do? Where do I go? Who can help me? I want to fix this. I'll do anything. And every single person, I mean, every single person was, that horse is mean. That horse is evil. He is not worth your time. Get rid of him. Put him on a trailer and never think about him again. Mm. And I was just like, so heartbroken. I was like, how can you say that to me? Like you, mm-hmm. how can you, you're supposed to one, love the horse, but like also love me. And you know what that would do to me. Mm-hmm. It's not, not what I'm asking you. Like, mm-hmm. and so I had to go on this whole journey of finding my people. Right. And so he went on, I got referred to, um, a lady who practices positive reinforcement and natural horsemanship on a cattle ranch. So I sent him there for a while. And that's part of kind of the podcast journey. But as I was traveling around and doing those, just trying to meet people and talk to as many people as I could, and just try to find any other solution. And I ended up finding this great group of horse people who are pretty scattered still at the moment. There's wonderful people, you know, like yourself, like Oric Schiller, um, like Jane Pike, who are bringing people together in this narrative and really changed my mindset. And so when we moved to Texas, I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do yet, but I knew he needed to be with me. Mm-hmm. And he, at that point with that trainer, she had gotten him to a point where she could ride him. She was moving cattle around on him, loping him around, maybe work a flag, doing quite a bit of stuff where before you couldn't even get on him. And he'd charge you in the round pen, like just crazy stuff, right? And so she had made a lot of progress with him. So he gets here and I give him a few days to adjust to his environment. And then I pop him in the round pen and we're going to see how this works out. Boom, charges me. I mean, like, zero of that work of eight months of work with that trainer transferred over to me. And so then I had another wave of this is still, this is a me problem. Now this is a him and I, our relationship problem. And the only solution is for me to work with the work through this with him and, and show him that, you know, I am part of his happy life and, and nothing else. And so that was, almost two years ago now. And it took me a solid six to eight months to be able to get on his back. So that's, that's kind of the short version of the story. Now he's like the best horse. I take him everywhere. He is so his bravery. He was always this like brave horse, Mm -hmm. his bravery is back. And that makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been doing some ranch shows and getting out there and I'm really competitive. So that's always a balancing act for me. So we've been getting out there and trying to find opportunities um, within his comfort zone, um, where I can go have some fun and be a little competitive. And this year, I'm going to see if I can't get him out there in the raining pen, you know, at some AQHA and NRHA shows. But truly, every day, it's a, you know, where are you at today? And uh, he may or may not, he may or may not get there. You know, I, I have a lot of faith. He's made so much progress in the last eight months. Um, I have a lot of faith. But if he doesn't, that's okay. There's always another reigning horse, you know, he's turned into a great horse. Yeah. One of my favorite TikToks of yours, I could keep going back because as, as you're talking, I'm like picturing these TikToks that go with your stories and uh, <laughs> which is funny. So you were talking and, and I remember one of the TikToks that you made, it was so good because you talked about the fact you were loading him on the trailer and your plan was that you're, I think you were going to do a lesson or ride with someone. And he told you that day, 
that today was actually a trailer loading day and you ended up missing not doing what you were supposed to be doing and just having that conversation with your audience and saying like, this is okay. Like it's okay for you to be flexible in your plans based on what your horse needs from you that day or what they like, rather than him associating, get on the trailer, like we're, we're on a timeline and then go into the lesson and you know, that's all going to translate to the lesson. So I, I think that was, that was a great lesson for people. Yeah. The trailer, there is nothing like teaching a horse that doesn't want to get in the trailer to load and haul in a trailer. I thought I had patience. I thought through all of this, I had developed so much patience that I could maintain quiet energy through the toughest of situations. There's nothing like pointing at a trailer for three hours to make, to question your, your patience and, and what you're doing with your life. But I keep, it's just, it's almost like a mantra that I have in my head that has come up multiple times in our conversation. There is no timeline. It is arbitrary. It does not exist. Even the 24 hour day thing, it doesn't exist if we want to get like super weird about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We created these timelines. And so I try to always keep that in mind and it just takes the pressure off myself Mm -hmm. and it lets me meet him where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I think the trailer loading thing is particularly fascinating. I've become kind of obsessed with it, with people's horses, because it's so psychological it's so psychological and somebody will hand me their horse that they can't get loaded and the horse will walk right on the trailer with me. Mm-hmm. And actually the other day I was, <laughs> I was, it took me months to get Joe comfortable with the trailer. And I think because he had been loaded on so many trailers and shipped off places through all that mm-hmm. journey finding mm-hmm. where he was like, where are you taking me now all by myself with people I don't know. Right. And Jeez. that's a really deep rooted thing you know? So, but anyway, so we had gotten through that. I had to get him a bougie trailer. He didn't like the wood floors. And so now he has this bougie trailer. Um, but I took him to a lesson and I finished my lesson and just occasionally he'll have a little bit of hesitation to get in every once in a while. He'll just kind of pause. And I know that if I just wait Mm. and just stand there and just chill, sometimes it's five seconds. Sometimes it's a minute or two. He'll just eventually walk on. And it's kind of counterintuitive to a lot of standard horsemanship stuff where he's decided, no, where you should be maintaining the pressure until he gives you an inch or something. And then you would release the pressure and be like, oh, I just wanted you to come forward a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is him thinking, I want to go backwards and me giving, releasing Mm -hmm. and giving him slack and saying like, I hear you and I'm going to let you work through this on your own and he'll just get on. So he did that. He had one of those moments at the trainers and the trainer happened to be walking by at the time. And he just gave him a little pat, just like instinctively pat. My horse went straight back and like, he kind of had the trainer kind of had to jump out of the way. And I just, I just laughed a little bit because it was such a great example, a small example of my horse is already at a certain anxiety level. And you just tacked on that little bit of extra pressure and he just reacted yeah, to it. Yeah. Yep. Instead of like giving him the time to come back down. And I just kind of laughed and he got, he got on and it was not a big deal, but it, it was just kind of a friendly reminder for me of like releasing, you know, the pressure at times is, is the right answer. Oh, 100%. And I think that idea of time, that idea of, especially the trailer, like there's no better 
a metaphor for us feeling pressure due to time that actually doesn't exist. I love that. But that feeling of, oh, well, I see that horse is stuck. I need to just pat them on the bum. Like somebody just walking by, they don't even know them. We're so tuned in and just like instinctually now rushing everything that we blow by so many opportunities to just show up in awareness and that's all they're looking for. That's it. Yep. 100%. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. So now you are at the point where, you know, you feel like you and Joe, you, you can see each other. You've personally worked through a lot of things. You feel like you're, you're possibly going into an area where, um, where you could introduce them to some reigning, but like when people go and see your social media, they can clearly see that you are, you're putting in the work. And I think that's another bit that, um, that so many people can get from you is that you're not sitting there and saying, I really want my horse to improve. And I want my connection with my horse to improve. So I'm going to go and like ride him once a week. Now, this is literally me preaching to myself because I have, I have ridden once in probably five weeks. Now I ride other people's horses every day, but priorities is like Ford doesn't get put on the docket. And there are so many things that I want to work through. And he's just, he's just not there right now. And I'm not, I'm not putting in the work, but when I look at you, you make me want to put in the work. Ah, my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for that. And I think so much of that when, you know, I talk to other women about it, it, it comes down to being really clear on your priorities in, in your life. And it's okay. It's okay. If like progress with your horse is a little bit lower down the list, but if you become, become really clear with that, then you don't feel so much pressure. You don't feel that like regret. You don't have to be a hundred percent and all the things all the time. And, you know, my, my previous job got really intense and it was so stressful and I was really afraid of burning out and I was not riding the horse as much as I should have been. And it was just like compounding. And I had to sit down and think about like, why do I feel like this day in and day out? And how can I organize my life better? And I had this moment of, you know what? Riding the horse brings me peace. That is really why I do it. This has to be first priority, first priority. And if that means that my workday doesn't start until nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, then I need to have that conversation with my boss. Now I'm very fortunate to have a job that I can do that, but that's what I did say. I'm going to ride in the morning. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not riding in 20 degree weather. So I'm going to wait until eight and then I'm going to ride and, you know, I'll start my day at 10. There'll probably be a break in there where I have to go feed, but then, you know, I finish my work in the evening and that's the schedule that will make me a better employee for you. Mm-hmm. and being able to adjust that. Um, but I think priorities, it, it's some something that I really feel like I'm trying to harp on a lot lately, and I have a lot of conversations about. Mm-hmm. If we can just get really clear on those, right? And for me, when it comes specifically to the horse, you know, it's healthy horse, safe horse, happy horse, happy owner, successful horse, right? And that's the order. And every day when I go do something with him, I think about that priorities, those priorities in that order. And so 
when I know I need to ride, but I'm limited on time, I remember that safe, you know, healthy, of course he is before I ride, but safe horse, happy horse. And that's going to be my goal in that ride. If I have 30 minutes to swing my leg over and go ride, I'm not going to put all this pressure to like try to get a bunch of stuff done. I'm just going to get on him and we're going to have a go, go have a good ride. And I'm going to work with what I have and maybe work on the basics or work on one thing. I have time to work on one thing and that's okay because that'll get us a little bit of the way. But then I know that we've had a good ride. I've gotten what I need out of it and he's gotten something out of it. And I can go on with, with my day. Now, if successful horses at the top of your list, which is also okay, then you have to have a serious, you know, conversation with yourself about how your life is feeding up in, into those priorities. But I think just being clear on those is really critical. And then writing, doing something, even when you don't want to do it. (laughs) There are days where I drag my butt out to the arena or this week was really crazy. And I had to go um, into the office an extra day for a meeting. And I was, I needed to get three rides in before I left because he was going to have two days off and like, blah, 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 right. This like constant thing. And I got to that day before I was going to leave. And I just was so overwhelmed and so stressed. I was like, I am not going to be able to go have that ride. That's going to be productive for my horse or that he's going to feel like he had a positive experience. So I have a little area here that I can lunge. So I lunged him. I brushed him down. I got him all set up for me being gone and just spent some time with him and I put him away and I felt really at peace with that. I like that. Okay. So let's visit another part of that conversation. So I, I absolutely love the idea of really looking at your priorities with your horses and making sure that you are, you know, you're very conscious of it and that's what you're working towards. Now let's look at the people side of it. So for you, you have a podcast called Finding the Feel and you're on a bit of hiatus. So I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, we put everything on our plates and oftentimes, and like, like picture it like Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> like you don't go and you get another plate. You might, if you really want something else, you actually have to take something off of that plate in order to put the other thing on. So, you know, a lot of times we blow by that pressure, that feeling that you were talking about, like, why am I feeling all of this pressure? Um, because we're not taking anything off when we're adding other things on. So can you talk about your podcast a little bit and, you know, why you decided to take a little bit of a break and what we can expect of it and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, and how taking that break has helped you to really show up for yourself and show up for your horse the way that you wanted to. Yeah. Um, so my podcast, Finding the Feel, I started in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and I interview, the goal of it was to interview elite horsemen and women and tap into their mindset. What, how do they work on their mind? What are the daily habits that they have that contributes to their success? Because I still believe to this day that the difference maker between a successful showman and an unsuccessful show person is their mindset. If you can go out there and maximize the horse that you have, you will have and be consistent. You will have so much more success than the person with a horse that's twice as expensive as yours and goes and gets a 75 one day and a 67 the next, right? If we were talking about raining and 
that's, that's what I wanted. Um, that was my goal when I started it. And since then, um, I've gone on a little bit of a different journey. Well, that's still extremely valuable. There's this whole world of, of horse women that, that need to be served. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I want to help and that I believe I can help, mm-hmm. um, just by sharing and building a community. And at the same time, over the last 12 plus months, some incredible podcasts have come into the scene. I mean, Cow Horse Full Contact. I love those guys. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. And there's a couple of reigning ones now too. And it just got to the point where I just felt like we were all trying to talk to the same people, um, telling a lot of the same stories. And I had, I was at the same time felt like it became a chore and I felt this pressure to do it from whom I don't know, just myself. And it became really stressful. Um, and I was picking up with Joe trying to get him ready to show. And it just felt like everything was like escalating at the same time. I started working with Blue Bonnet as a consultant. And then, you know, my job was getting really intense and it was just, it was so much stuff. And I was doing everything quite honestly, very mediocre to my standards. And it's a terrible feeling. And so I had to check and see what are the things that I can set aside. And the podcast was one where I immediately went, I need to revamp this anyways. I need to find my place. And um, I have feel like I found my voice and I need to find a way to translate that in a better way into my podcast um, and find people that really can help contribute to that larger goal. And so until I figure out what that looks like, I'm going to set this aside for now and that's okay. Mm. And, you know, I also, I happened at the same time. It's amazing how the universe brings you things. I went to a ranch show and I was wearing a jacket that I had embroidered with my podcast logo. And they came up and asked like, oh, is that your podcast? I love that podcast. And like said so many nice things and asked me about it. And it was an opportunity for me to ask them, you know, what their thoughts were and get their feedback and kind of pitch some ideas. And they were like, I love that. You should take the time Mm -hmm. to, to do that. And then we'll be here. We're ready to listen when you're ready. And, um, it was just kind of the, the checkoff from the universe that I needed to be like, I can take the time to reformat this. And to your point, like you got to take some stuff off to put stuff on. Mm Um, and so when I, I haven't done it yet because when I put it back on, I have to figure out what's, yeah. what's going to come off. And I don't know what that is, what that yeah. is yet. It's hard to navigate when you talk about that feeling of like, you're only getting things done mediocre when you have, when you're a person, I, I feel like, like we have an, a, a similar experience there where that's exactly like you described exactly how I felt when I was teaching at the end of my teaching teaching career, I actually said, I'm only, I'm being a half-ass mom. I'm being a half-ass teacher, I'm being a half-ass horse owner, a half-ass clinician. Like I felt like I was spread so thin that I wasn't able to be what I needed to be for not only everyone else, but for myself. And it was very, uh, it was very hard to navigate that. Uh, and just understanding that we can spread ourselves so thin that 
everything just gets really heavy. Um, and, and having a really honest conversation with yourself and your spouse. And, you know, you said you have a really supportive husband. I'm sure that he's had, you've had conversations with him where he can help you navigate it. Um, but really understanding my husband, I looked at him and said, I'm going to leave teaching (laughs) and that's summer's off and that's a pension and that's guaranteed income. And that's a respectable career that my father paid for the education for, right? So, so many pressures all in that, that one decision. And he was like, okay, if this is what need, we need to do, if this is what needs to happen. Um, now I put lots of other things on my plate, but it's really interesting when you, you take a really honest look and you go, okay, now's the time. If I'm feeling like this, I have to make it a priority to look at it or something's going to give, right? It's like that horse that you swung a leg over, like something's going to give. Yes, exactly. And I think as women giving ourselves permission to do that, you know, there's all this added pressure and it, and it also ties back to the idea of sunk costs that we talked about in the very beginning. You know, it doesn't, every step of your life, every step of your journey is part of where you're supposed to go. You know, and I wouldn't have met the Blue Bonnet team had it not been for the podcast. And I wouldn't have met all of these wonderful people. And it wouldn't have gotten helped me get to a place where I'm so focused on mindset as an avenue beyond success with your horse, but like true happiness and and peace with your life. And none of that would have happened without it. And it's okay to express gratitude for that part of your journey and let it go if you have to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think what happens too, is we get a little hung up on, on this is the way it should be. I, I should have to do this. I should do this because someone, um, whether it's judgment or self-judgment, whatever, and just being able to, um, to say, wow, I'm really grateful for what that led me to, um, and focusing on, you know, where am I heading and what do I want to see? Um, I just love it. I love it. It's all good. This is the conversation I was pretty sure we were probably going to (laughs) have, which is fantastic. Uh, But with that being said, I'm pretty sure we've been talking for over an hour and uh, I will keep you here all day if I don't tell you that uh, I've loved your conversation and that we should probably go off and uh, finish the rest of our days. So thank you, Caitlin. Uh, If there's anything else that you want to just touch on quickly, uh, feel free. But uh, if there's not, then just please tell us where we can find you, how we can find you and uh, follow your journey, your further journey with Joe. I highly suggest anyone who doesn't already know Caitlin, go back into her TikToks and, and watch them from like the beginning up. She can be like your your, uh, what, what is it when you go into like this TikTok journey where you stay there for like six hours and you're like just flipping through, not actually, yeah. <laughs> six hours. but it is, it's worth going and, and getting to know Caitlin and her horse, Joe. Um, but okay, I'll stop talking. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I would say the, the only thing that I'll, I'll leave people with the point that I would drive home. The lesson, biggest lesson I've learned is that, you know, be your own advocate and be your horse's advocate. The people um, who will support you in your journey will stay. You will, le- you will keep the good ones. Um, the good ones will not judge you. 
and 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 leave the rest and find little ways you know to build that up so just trust yourself we'll save ourselves so much pain if mm. if we can just trust our gut mm-hmm. um, and honestly the other people that that end up leaving it only leaves room for the people that are meant to come in in the future um i'm a strong believer in that oh yeah you're open all the doors mm. for, for new people to come in your life and, and help you along and maybe you help some people along the way you know yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you, Nikki, for having, having me on. Um, you know, it's, it's been awesome. It's always a little scary to tell, <laughs> tell my story a bit. Um, people, yeah, they can find me on, on Instagram or TikTok are the best places to find me. Um, there are links in, in my bio and stuff there. If you want to reach out to me directly, um, I'm, you know, I try to keep up with my messages and all of that. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Nikki. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening, and we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind. Mm -hmm.